Let's not just sing those words, but let's Amen. pray that prayer. God, have your way in me. Amen. Yes. Lord, touch any physical bodies that are sick today. Yes. Lord, any we know of that are not here today because they are sick. Lord God, we just pray for a touch yes. from heaven in their body in Jesus' name. Yes. Jesus. Lord, people who have challenging circumstances and situations in their life right now, God, we just pray for a touch from heaven oh, in their yes. life in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Lord, yes. miraculous solutions to big problems. Praise you, Lord. Lord, miraculous solutions to, to little problems. Amen. We just pray for a touch of heaven, Lord, that you would move. Yes. God who reigns in heaven, that Lord, you would move in our life. It, 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 it blows our mind, Lord, to understand that you love us and you care for us enough that you would yes. move and act on our behalf. I thank you, Lord, that you hear the prayers that are being prayed even now in people's yes. hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just help us to linger and listen in this moment. Just to listen what you're speaking by your spirit to our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, not to miss a thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its water roar and foam, a lot happening to try and get our attention and the mountains quake with their surging. There is, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is within her. He will, she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. Nothing can stand against the voice of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Lord Almighty is our fortress. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Can I give that one to you to give back to him? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What a great line. I will linger and listen. I wonder how well we go at just lingering and listening to God's voice, listening to his spirit, listening to his word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sorry, just open my notes and remember. Thank you, Lord. Well, I want to say a big welcome to you this morning. If you've been away on holidays, if you've been uh, visiting family, whatever you've been up to, I want to say a big welcome back. Happy New Year, if I haven't already said it to you. Happy Australia Day today. Um, <laughs> uh, who remembers what we spoke about last week? Oh, who said that? I think it was Cheryl who said that first. Now, this morning, I don't have lollies. I don't have chocolate because we know that not too much lollies and chocolate is, is not good for us. But I have a banana. So you get the banana this morning, Cheryl. And if you don't like bananas, feel free to... Yeah. I'll bless you, and if you want to bless someone else, that's fine. But um, I'm going to get, bless you with a banana this morning because, because bananas energise us, don't they? Yeah. Who, who loves bananas? 
I got up yesterday for a bike ride. I said to Rochelle on Friday night, I'm like, I haven't ridden my bike since we got back from Port Ferry. Can I please? Uh, actually, that's not true. I raced one day. Anyway, uh, I, um, I, I said, can I go for a ride in the morning? So I got up early yesterday and I went out for a ride and I just take my banana with me and that's my brekkie until I get home. And bananas are good. And if I had given you a chocolate, everyone would have just gone, oh, Andrew just gave out another chocolate, wouldn't you? But this morning I gave out a banana and that's weird, so you're going to remember this sermon. Because to be honest, the banana has nothing to do with my message except for the fact that we've been talking about gratitude. Sorry, I'll turn that on. Gratitude. Gratitude. And we're really thankful for everything when it goes right. We'd be thankful for a banana. Or we'd be thankful for a chocolate. We'd be thankful for breakfast, whatever that may have been. For chicken or whatever it might be. We want to be people who are, are... full of gratitude for everything that God has blessed us with. Last week we we looked at the saying that I'd heard over the holidays, don't let dreams of future blessings blind you to the blessings in our present. And we want to be people of gratitude. And as I said last year, I really pray that this would be a theme for us through the whole of 2020, that we would be people of gratitude. And hopefully you've, uh, you've got a little card on your seat, and maybe if you didn't, the person beside you did, and if the person beside you's got two, you can say, hey, can I have that one? Or well, there is some out in the foyer as well. And I want to encourage you to stick that somewhere where you'll see it. And it says, gratitude. And you're going to be reminded to say, oh, I want to be grateful for the things God's given me. Maybe you want to put it near your toothbrush. So every day when you brush your teeth, you can say, God, thank you that I have a toothbrush. Thank you that I have toothpaste. Because, you know, brushing your teeth without toothpaste just isn't the same, is it? And in some parts of the world, they don't have toothbrushes. They don't have toothpaste. It's a blessing, because who knows what it's like to have a hole in their tooth. So you should be grateful for your toothbrush. I am going way longer on this point than I ever meant to, but we want to be people of gratitude. Amen? Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about something that kind of links in with this theme of gratitude. And uh, the title of my message this morning... Oh, actually, before I say my title, uh, maybe uh, Lyndon and Nathaniel... Do you guys want to hand out the, uh, the sheets to the kids there? I encourage you to, to take some notes, adults and kids. Hopefully the adults don't need a prompt to help you fill in the gaps. You'll, you'll just be taking notes anyway, won't you? Because I don't know about you, but when I write something down, I remember it. But if I don't write it down, I might as well have never heard it. If that's, I don't, is anyone else like that? I mean, I, I listen and I do hear some... Like, if you're speaking to me... I, anyway, I'm digging a big hole. The title of my message this morning is this, Loved to Love. Everyone say, Loved to Love. Now let's all say it with a Jamaican accent. Love to Love. Because accents help us remember things. Who remembers listening to a speaker that had an accent? That just always makes the message more exciting. How about we say, Love to Love with a Scottish accent? I don't know how to do it, so I said nothing. (laughs) The title of my message is Loved to Love. And I'm going to let you into a secret that I have two points this morning. And the first one is that Jesus loved to love us. And the second is this, that we have been loved to love. I just want to pray now as the kids hand out those sheets. Well, God, we just thank you that you have loved us. God, we just thank you this morning for everything that you have given us. So we have the privilege of coming together as your people 
that God, we have the privilege of knowing you, of having your word, God, that we can read and discover what you are like. That God, we can know your faithfulness. That God, we can sing songs that remind us that you want to speak to us, that you want to work in our lives. And God, I just pray this morning that as I speak, that you would speak to our hearts. That, Lord, you would change mindsets that we've had maybe for years upon years. That, God, you would help us to be people of gratitude. To know that we have been loved and also, Lord, that you would inspire us to love. To love those who maybe others feel are unlovable. That, God, you would help us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles there, I want to encourage you to open up to Hebrews chapter 12. And if you're wondering where the book of Hebrews is in your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, one, two, skip a few, and you'll get to Hebrews. (laughs) There you go. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says this. It says, Therefore... And whenever you open a a book of the Bible and you read the word therefore, I want to encourage you to stop. Because if it says therefore, there's obviously a for that came before we are now. There's something that's been said that we need to understand in order to understand what's about to be said. Now what what comes before Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews 11, very good. And who, who knows what Hebrews 11 is all about? Faith. Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. It's a whole book about people who put their faith in God. It talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Noah and some unexpected people maybe like Rahab and others that put their faith in God and God did amazing, even miraculous things through their lives. But also there's uh, uh, the second part of the book of Hebrews 11 is, uh, is where it talks about those who put their faith in God And they were beaten and whipped and tortured and even put to death. It talks about those who had an amazing faith in God that endured through the trials and the situations they went through and they lived for the glory of God. And it says how all of these people, their reward was not in this life, it is in the life to come in eternity with their God and Saviour in heaven. And that's what the book of Hebrews is all about. So therefore, since we understand These people lived a life of faith and and, and God's reward for them was in heaven. Therefore, if we understand these things about faith, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Who enjoyed the movie on Friday night? Yeah, it was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, there's a runner. That's the link there. Verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I think that's a a good instruction for us to remember day by day. Verse 4. After all, you have not yet given your lives 
in your struggle against sin. Point number one, <coughs> point number one this morning is that Jesus loved to love you. Jesus was not a reluctant giver. Jesus did not come to the earth and give his life as a ransom for our sin, reluctantly, begrudgingly, or in any other way in a negative form. Jesus loved to love you. Everyone say that. Jesus loved to love you. Jesus loved to love you. So it was a bit slow. That was, we'll get better. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know, kids, adults, Jesus went to the cross. He, you know, he, in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified, he said to the Father, Lord, is there any other way? Is there any other way that this could be done? Lord, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. If there's any other way, let it happen that way. But God, if, if, Father, if this is your will, your will be done. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I think in that moment, Jesus probably pictured the millions upon millions of faces who we have all sinned. And yet Jesus saw us and knew that the only hope of forgiveness and eternal life that we had was for him to give his life as the ransom, as a sacrifice for our sin. And as he thought about you, as he thought about the millions of people upon the earth that would without him be lost and without hope, I think there would have been just a sense of joy. But Lord God, this, this is going to bring hope to millions upon millions upon millions of people. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus loved to love you. I wonder if you've ever had someone do something for you or serve you or give you a gift that you were embarrassed about them giving you. Maybe it was in the school Kris Kringle and you went to the, the local cheap shop and you bought like that cheap, um, the, the, the cheap version of that, that cool new toy that was out. You know, like the $5 um, computer game thing that only has one game and it doesn't really do that much, but it's kind of fun and it's cool and you, you gave that for the Kris Kringle. And then you get to school and you get your Kris Kringle present and someone gives you uh, a Nintendo Switch. And you're like, whoa, that's crazy. That's like worth hundreds of dollars. And you're embarrassed because you're thinking, I gave you the cheap version. You gave me the real thing. And you're just like, oh, I'm embarrassed now. Or maybe you're at work and, and, and you make some massive stuff up. You do something and you go, oh no, what have I done? Let's just put our whole business weeks and weeks and weeks behind. And then some kind person comes in over a weekend and they just work and work and work and work without you even knowing. And then you come in Monday morning and they say, you know what, it's all fixed. I stayed in over the weekend and I've sorted out the whole problem. And you're just like, no way. Like You should have at least told me so I could come and help fix the problem. But they've just done it all for you. And you're like, oh, I'm ashamed. I, I, I'm, I'm not worthy of what you've done for me. Or maybe your husband or your wife, you, you do something really silly. Has anyone ever had one of those moments? No. Uh, you do something really silly, or maybe you get a little bit grumpy. None of us do that too often, maybe. Uh, anyway, and, and your husband or your wife, or some other member of your family, you've been the the real grumpy, annoying person in the family, and then they come and just do something amazing and lovely and blessing, and suddenly you know you can't be grumpy anymore. 
It's like, oh no. <laughs> and you just embarrassed, like, I've been this selfish person and this person's just done something amazing for me. And we can be ashamed. But how much it changes the situation when that person says, no, I love you. I care about you. I wanted to do this for you. I wanted you to have this. I wanted this problem to be sorted out. You know, that Nintendo Switch, I had two at home and I knew you'd really, really, really like one. And I just really, really, really wanted to give it to you. I know it's, we're not supposed to spend 10 bucks for the present, but here you go. I want you to have it. And suddenly that feeling of embarrassment changes to like, Awesome! It's like you can accept the gift. It's like they wanted to give it to you. It wasn't reluctant. It was joyfully that they gave that thing to you. And you know, I think some people are embarrassed about what Jesus did on the cross for them. I think some people, when they hear the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for them, they are like, no way. That's, that's embarrassing. I, I can't allow God to do that for me because I'm a sinner and, and like... That's great that he loves me, but I'm, I'm going to have to earn his love a bit more first. But that's not the way it works. Jesus loved to love you. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He chose to come and die in your place and in my place. To give his life as the sacrifice for sin. We deserve judgment and death, but he took our punishment so that we could have eternal life with him. And I just want to linger in this point for a moment because I think some of us don't fully get this. I think we think God has, has sent Jesus and he kind of did what had to be done and now he's saying, so you better behave because look what I did for you. But that is not what he is saying today. He's saying, I gave it because I love you. And I knew you would trip up. I knew you would mess up. I knew you would fail. I knew you would hurt people. I knew you'd do the wrong thing. But I still wanted to do it for you. And in those moments when we feel like, I can't read my Bible. I can't pray. I'm not a good enough person to come to God. He wants you to remember that, you, that Jesus loved to love you. It was for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't do it reluctantly. He hasn't hardened his heart against you. He hasn't turned away from you. He will never turn away anyone who turns to him. And day by day, as we, as we maybe feel guilty, as we maybe feel embarrassed about the sins that we have committed... I want you to remember that Jesus loved to love you. Don't ever feel embarrassed to come before God. You know, there is, a, there is a right time and a right place to be ashamed of our sin. But when we come to Jesus Christ, we, our sin is washed away. It is gone. We are new creations in him. He doesn't see the old us anymore. We are new creations in him. We are holy and faultless and blameless in his sight. Let's say it again. Jesus loved to love you. Say it like you're excited about it. Jesus loved to love you. Fantastic. I hope this gets drilled into your mind. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. 
But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus came to this earth to show us his love and to show us what love is like. You know, our love compared to God's love is like trying to compare a drop of water to the ocean. Our love is so imperfect, so incomplete, so limited so often. And yet God's love is like the height of the heavens above the earth. Jesus came to show us what his love is like, that we could begin to follow him and love like him. I read this quote in a daily devotion I was doing a week or so ago by Alistair Big, who, to be honest, I, I don't really know who he is, but uh, Alistair Big said this, It is impossible to serve God without serving one another. It is impossible to serve God without serving one another. We've been talking about gratitude, about being thankful for God's forgiveness, being thankful about His grace and His mercy and all that he has done for us. And we cannot show gratitude to God. We cannot serve God if we do not also begin to serve those that he's created. If we say we love God and hate our brother, the Bible says that we are calling God a liar. We cannot serve God without serving one another. If we want to show gratitude to God, he says, go and love my children. So many times in the Old Testament, God says to the people that were making these extravagant sacrifices and doing these things as acts of worship to God, God says to them, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want these acts of worship that you're doing. He says, I want you to go and love your brother. I want you to go and love your sister. I want you to care for orphans and widows. I want you to love the people that I have created. If you want to worship me, go and love someone. Go and serve someone and do it in my name. Don't take the glory, give God the glory. Say, God stirred my heart and he wants me to love you. And I just want to do this because he, he loves you. We cannot serve God without serving one another. Point number two this morning is that we have been loved to love. It was God's great joy that, that he could come and be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. He has loved us. So that we could know his love, that we could understand the depth, the height, and the, the width of his love, that we could be transformed by his love, and that we could therefore share his love with the world around us for the rest of our lives. We have been loved to love. You know, Jesus commanded his disciples in John 15 to love one another. John 15, verse 9 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. You know, that's his desire for you, that you will be filled with his joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Verse 12, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. 
There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. God's command for us as his people is to love one another. The Bible says that the world will know us by our love for one another. They will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. We have been loved to love. And as it says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, So therefore let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You know, sin does so easily trip, trip us up. When we get greedy, when we get rude, when we get proud, when we get boastful, when we, get, when we begin to, to focus and worship other things, it's pretty hard to live a life of faith that helps others know the love of God. And if we get tied up in sin, it's a stumbling block for us. It's, it's hard for us to live for God and, and know his, his presence in our life if we continue in sin. And the Bible says if we continually continue in sin and, and disregard God's command to leave those things behind, then the reality is we don't truly know his grace and forgiveness. We can't call him our Lord if we don't follow his commands. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You know, we, we all stumble and fall at times. But we need to rise again and, and, and declare and remember that Jesus has taken our punishment upon the cross. But you know, the reality is it's not just sin that trips us up. Sometimes good things are stumbling blocks for us in living a life of faith in God. Sometimes there's really good things that we can say, well, why can't I do this, God? Why, why, why shouldn't I do this? There's no Bible verse that says I shouldn't go and ride 100 kilometers a day on a bike. You know, we can try and justify things. And some of you are thinking, why, why would anyone want to ride 100 kilometers a week on a, a, a day on a bike? You know, I would love to ride my bike 100 kilometers every day. I was like, that's only three or four hours out on a bike, totally alone, just enjoying the world that God's made. I could really enjoy that. And I could say, you know what? There is no Bible verse that says, Andrew should not go bike riding 100 kilometers a day. There's no Bible verse that says that. Why shouldn't I do it? And you know, we can try and justify the things that we want to do in life, even there's good things that we might want to do in life, and we, we can ask the wrong question of saying, God, why shouldn't I? Or people may challenge us and we say, well, what's wrong with this? There's nothing wrong with that. There's no Bible verse that says that's wrong, and maybe it's not. But I want to encourage you that it's not just sin that trips us up sometimes. And instead of asking, why shouldn't I do this? The question we should ask is, will this help me live a life of faith in God? Will this help me live the life that God has called me to? Will this help me live a life that brings glory and honor and praise to God? Will this help me run the race for Jesus? You know, kids, if you can 
really understand what I'm saying here. Instead of, instead of pleading with God, saying, God, please can I have a Nintendo Switch? You'll say, God, give me everything that you want me to have that will help me live a life of faith in you. If we, if we can understand the difference in that concept, instead of pleading with God to give us what we want, say, God, lead me in what you want for me. We will have joy overflowing. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. We have been loved to love. You know, we must learn to love as we've been loved. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, talking about forgiveness, says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know, I find that a real check up. I find it a real challenge for us to stop and sort of say, hang on, is my heart right before you, God? We know your mercy, we know your grace, but God, am I holding a grudge against any person? God's word declares, if we refuse to forgive, he will not forgive us our sins. You know, we are, we are made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, but how can we know God's grace and his mercy? How can we, how can we truly understand his, his forgiveness if we will not offer that forgiveness to those around us? Now, I want to acknowledge that sometimes we have huge events in our life that are so hard to forgive. And you may not feel like forgiving. You may not feel like you, you should or you even want to forgive, but make a choice to say, God, help me to forgive. You may not have the emotions of feeling like you've forgiven, but choose to forgive and ask God to help you. Because we have been loved to love. Let's strip off that unforgiveness. Let's strip off those selfish desires. The next part of Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 5 to 10, I was going to read it, but there's just too much there. In verse 5 to 10, I encourage you to read it. It talks all about God's discipline for those he loves. And it talks about how fathers discipline their children the best they know how. You know, we're not perfect at it, but our Father in heaven knows what we need. He knows how we need to grow. He knows how we need to be shaped and molded. And, and it tells us that God disciplines all those he loves. And if he's not disciplining us, then we're not really his. And it goes on in verse 11. It says this, No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. And then this is what I think the, the, the journey of that straight path looks like. He says in verse 14, Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting you. And that's not what it says. That no poisonous root of bitterness corrupts many. 
You know, bitterness in our heart, a wrong attitude to one another, doesn't just affect you. It's like a cancer in the body of Christ. And we need to be quick to deal with any bitterness that comes in our hearts. Verse 16, it says, Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as a firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. And then it goes on to talk about how the people of Israel came to Moses at the mountain of Sinai, but we have come to God himself. In verse 25, it says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. As we looked at that passage last week. And then in verse 28, it says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshipping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Our God is enormous. Our God is the judge of the living and the dead. Our God is holy and righteous and worthy of our whole lives. I love what Bell shared. Let's be all in. Let's give it all to him for this year ahead. Because we are going to receive the kingdom that is unshakable. We have an eternity to look forward to with him in heaven. Let's give this year of our life to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, have your way in me. You have loved me and I want to love like you. I want to give my life for you. I want to finish by just asking this question. How is God calling you to love? How is God calling you to love? What's God's still small voice speaking into your heart this morning? Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Maybe there's someone that you need to, to say thank you to. Maybe there's someone that you just need to release to God. Maybe there's someone that God's calling you to serve or to do something for. How is God calling you to love? Just to try and help narrow that down. Where's the opportunity that God is showing you? Where is there an opportunity for you to love someone in his name? Because sometimes we can think, well, I'm good at this and there's no gifts for the immediate, there's no opportunity to, to do that for God. But where is there an opportunity for you to serve? You know, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking, why did I become a pastor? That's a really interesting question. Why did, why did I become a pastor? God. It wasn't, it, it, it most certainly was not because I felt like I had all the answers to give to God's church and tell people, uh, and I, I therefore should be the pastor to tell you. That was not why I became a pastor. I believe someone needed to stand up and speak the word of God. And I want people to know the love of Jesus that I have discovered in my life. So therefore I go, well God, sometimes I don't speak too good. <laughs> and there's some things I'm not great at, God. But you've given me an opportunity to speak your name and live for your glory, God. So I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm going to trust that you can use this servant of yours.
I want to ask you again, where is there an opportunity for you to serve God? And when you see an opportunity, I want, to ask you, I want you to ask this question, what do you have to offer within that opportunity? Maybe there's an opportunity in your school where you can show the love of God, but you're thinking, how can I do that? Or you think about, well, what can you bring to the table? Maybe it's state conference and you think there's an opportunity there to serve and, and to bless pastors and leaders from churches all over Victoria and Tasmania. And you're thinking, well, there's an opportunity there. What do you have to offer? Maybe you can't shift tables or move chairs, but you can smile and you can wave and say, welcome to church. Welcome to Colac. Have a great time. Maybe you can show people where the toilets are. Or maybe you, you don't smile to a good, you're not a good smiler and you're thinking, I don't, I don't think I can do that, Andrew. And maybe you like shifting chairs and tables and you think, I could do that, I could help clean up, I could do those things. Ask God. I'm, that's just one example. Don't just think it's all about state conference. <laughs> Where is there an opportunity? And what do you have to offer? And thirdly, I think this is a question we don't always ask ourselves, is how do I need to keep aligned? Now what I mean by that is sometimes we see an opportunity to serve. We see an opportunity to serve God, to, to glorify God, and we dive into it with everything we have, and we start doing kids' ministry, and we, 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 we get involved in kids' ministry, and we go, kind of get consumed by kids' ministry maybe. Or maybe it's, we get involved with, with um, some other ministry or doing something, and we kind of get consumed by that thing, and it's like our life becomes all about this thing, you know, sometimes we can actually get the wrong attitude of saying, why isn't everyone doing this thing? It's like, this is the world, people. No one ever does that? Yes, I do. I think we do. How do we need to keep aligned? Because the reality is that the things that we do are the things that we see. And not everyone in the body of Christ is called to be a hand. Not everyone in the body of Christ is called to be an eye. Not everybody in the body of Christ is called to be a foot, a leg, or whatever other part. We are all different. And we need to have grace for one another, and we need to keep aligned to the whole body. Because the hand was never meant to fight against the foot. You know, we have some core values that we did a series of messages on last year. And we talked all about being aligned to God's Word. And if we want to stay aligned, let's read His Word regularly. Let's let his word speak to us and challenge us when we need challenging. We talked about loving one another and the world because we're not just called to love one part of the body, we're called to love all people that God gives us opportunity. We talked about the whole body of Christ, not just getting consumed of, you know, the church of God isn't just for young people, it's for old people too. Amen? Amen. We are a family church for all ages, stages, demographics, people, race, tongue, tribe, nation, whatever else you can think of. Let's love one another and keep aligned to the whole body of Christ. I'm going to ask the band to come just as I close. I just want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 to 15. It says, Christ love controls us. Can we say that? God, help it to be our reality. I didn't mean physically say it, but that's, that's cool. That's good. Christ's love controls us. I hope you can say that and really mean it. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone 
so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. My prayer is that we could say that, we could say that and totally, totally mean it as we live through 2020. Let's pray together now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us to love as you have loved us. God, we thank you for everything that you have done for us. Lord Jesus, you loved to love us, that you chose to come for us. God, I just want to pray for any person here today who has felt ashamed, that they have felt unworthy of the gift that you have given for them. Lord God, I just pray that you would help us to remember that you will not turn anyone away who comes to you, who admits their sinfulness. Lord, your word says anyone who calls on your name, who admits their sinfulness will be forgiven and have eternal life. God, I just pray that where there has been a sense of embarrassment and shame, that you would turn that sorrow, that, that embarrassment into joy, into freedom, into peace and life. Thank you, Lord. You know, the greatest thing we can ever know is that our sin has been dealt with, that we are forgiven, that we are seen as holy and righteous in God's sight. He wants you to receive that gift. Lord, I just pray that you would help us live by faith. That God, day by day, we would wake up and we would be people of gratitude. And that, Lord, that we would remember all that you endured. All that you have done to love us. And that, Lord, we would be inspired to live for you and to love every person we meet for your glory, God. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. And we just thank you, Lord, for your grace to live this life for your glory, to love as we've been loved. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to encourage you to stand as we close with a song. We're going to sing of the goodness of God because He has been so, 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 so good to us. Amen. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails.